Welcome to Jet Cetera, folks, the Winnipeg Jets podcast about the Jets, sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lines, and as usual, I'm joined by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Hello there, Mike. Good to be here, Steve. Today we'll be talking about the Jets' play so far in their longest road trip of the season. They're in Vancouver tonight, they play. What the team should or shouldn't do in advance of the trade deadline. Get this, folks, the CFL is asking players to take another 20% pay cut to potentially get the season started on time. I have a few choice words on that. What do you think, Mike? <clears throat> and I like choice words. Manitoba is remaining in code red, and despite that, Mike McIntyre hit the links yesterday in March. He was golfing in March, folks. We'll talk all about that. With a toque and mitts. Toque and mitts. I took the mitts off I to hope hit you the took ball. The mitts off to hit the ball. <laughs> yes, exactly. Not the toque, though, right? No, that stayed on. <laughs> Um, I see people wearing toques in the office, so uh, the toque doesn't really... People are wearing... To- Actually, didn't you wear a toque in the press box when you came to... Or no, I you did. wore mitts. I, did I can't wear, remember. Did I you leave the toque on? I, I had the toque on, yeah. Yeah, you did leave the toque yeah, on. Wow, it's cold. It is cold. And I was going to say, others, uh, other media have been wearing their toques like, throughout the whole game. Sure. Uh, and, which is crazy, but... It's a fashion thing. It is. They, they've become an actually players now, NHL players, they all wear the toques. I mean, it saves you from having to do your hair, which... I guess so. <laughs> I don't have much hair to worry about no. that with Mike. Yeah, and I'm you, I'm uh, losing it by yeah, the day, it yeah, seems. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, on to the first period. Okay, Mike, the Jets are... N- I didn't do the... Bzz- I don't know whether that cuts gets cut out. I should listen to it that. It should get cut out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think it's going to there. The Jets are 19, 11, and 2. Could move into a tie with the Toronto Maple Buds tonight with a win over the Canucks. The Jets play tonight. And the Edmonton Oilers. A three-way tie. Oilers, right. It would be a three-way tie. The Oilers are not playing the Montreal They are Oilers. not. They were supposed to, but they're not. Right. Um, the Jets are 15th in goals against average and 8th in goals for. What do they need to do down the stretch run here, Mike? They're also, um, I think they're like 5th. Fifth or sixth now in the NHL in the power play, which has really caught Shocking. fire. They were like twentieth a few weeks ago. The power play has been been clicking a lot better here. They're actually like in the upper half of the league in penalty kill as well. So their special teams have gotten so fixed. They, they're a pretty good team. It seems like here, Mike. I don't know. Everybody says that they're going to collapse any moment here. Uh, they did lose a couple of games there in Edmonton. They got Connor McDavided. Right. Um, they, they actually played, played pretty good games. They didn't give up a whole lot. They didn't, other than to Connor McDavid. And um, that guy, oh, my God, he is so quick on his edges. Um, and, yeah, so anyways. He scored that one goal, I believe it was in Saturday's game, because he scored a few, where it almost see. I think the Jets had just scored. McDavid comes out next shift, and I tweeted this. It's like Connor McDavid just said, I'm going to go score on this shift. <laughs> and, he, and he did. Right. And nobody could stop him. Right. Like, he yeah. just decided that he was going to take over He's that. having an incredible season. He's, like, on a two-point-a-game pace or something. He's, like, like a 10, 1. He's 10 like points that. ahead of the next highest scorer, who's right. his teammate. Right. And then, like, 20 points ahead of the next guy after that. It's, it's absurd yeah, he's what he's a, doing. Yeah, he's having quite a season. He's quite a player, eh? What do you think? Well... I don't know if you could look at any sport, Steve, and see so much gap between it just in terms of the raw skill that he had. Like his speed is so much 
better than really anybody else and and what he does on his edges and all that like it I don't know if you could look at a an NFL quarterback or an NBA shooter and just say that guy's so much better well, than LeBron the next. James 10 years ago but yeah you know yeah. not necessarily LeBron James right like now like he but. must I got to think and I got a sense of it just in the zooms with some of the Jets players that they're in awe like they must you know when you see that up close you're thinking why well, can't I do spent that? Some time just watching it. They did. Uh, that would be one Mark Shifley uh, and oh, his yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, saw a lot of the McDavid yeah, line. They saw a lot of it. I didn't see them standing around. I saw some other people standing around. I, I'm, I'm, you know me. I'm not of the mind that Mark Shifley. Spent no, but they had a rough two games. Around. Blake they Wheeler did. admitted it. He said yeah. he, Blake Wheeler called it. He said we were shell shocked, which I thought was an interesting. Way of what putting that guy it. send you that he sent you an email about the hounds or something like that? Tell, yeah, he said, That's a good line. <laughs> he said, now this is talking about having Blake Wheeler and Paul Stasny with Correct. Mark Shifley. Right. And he said, um, it would be a little bit like getting a like getting basset hounds to chase a greyhound. Yeah, they're both hounds, <laughs> but you know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> I guess the the comparison would be yeah Blake Wheeler and Paul Stasi are also NHL hockey players but having them on the ice with Connor McDavid uh, advantage of McDavid. So I did a I did a little number crunching up very the, interesting. about the after the lost the two lost to the Oilers and what I found was is that of the 13 losses this year by the Jets 11 of them were in games where they had scored two goal two or few two two or fewer goals. So my, I got to thinking, like, watching those games against the Oilers, to me, they, they didn't play poorly defensively. Right. They gave up two and, and three. three and, and, but so they weren't able to get that third goal. And it seems to me, and I've watched the Jets pretty much every game this year, whatever is it, I don't see them losing games, Mike, despite what people say, because of their poor defensive play. But I do see them losing games at times where they don't get that third goal. Right. They're not wasting good offensive nights with losing, so. right? No, they're not. Like, I look, I, I've watched the Columbus Blue Jackets a lot since the Lion A. Ross. Wow. There's a team. <laughs> Columbus can score Mike goals. Mike goes to I the do. wall for you folks. <laughs> um, but the, Columbus is losing games all the time, 5-4, 6-4. Right. Like, they're wasting nights where you're scoring four goals, which should be enough to win in the NHL. Right. And because they are atrocious. Three really should. Three right. number, right? Right. Everybody says it's a 3-2 league. Right. And so your example there, like there's 11 games that if the Jets could have got the third, One more a lot more. of those 11 losses would have turned into at least overtime points or right. perhaps wins. So which led me to a thought that do the Jets actually need a great defenseman at the trade deadline? Do they need to add a defenseman? Or do they need to add somebody who could score that third goal? Now, everybody says, well, the Jets have all these great forwards, and they do. Don't get me wrong. But do they have a player, as you mentioned, do they have another greyhound right. to play with Mark Shifley? It doesn't seem like they do. It seems like they're missing. And then, and then, of course, they went out and Blake Wheeler scored and, yeah, and Paul, Paul Sassy scored, <laughs> which I texted um, you about the, yeah, to, to, to just let back. you know. So there went that. I theory, believe I right, texted you know? Steve. How yeah. about that number one line? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's not the number one line in this team. Clearly, the number one line in this team is Dubois, wow. Ehlers, and Connor. I mean, come on, folks. Seriously. Right. But and there's the dilemma right now. I think Paul Maurice and he he kind of shared that with us the other day. Steve is that 
he was as candid as he's been about Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and Paul Stassi struggles in, in actually saying before the Vancouver game on Monday night, yeah, I may break them up. Um, but then he said, but I, I'm not sure what I do just yet because I really like what the Ealers, well, Connor Dubois, line. right? Yeah, no. So you'd be dipping that now. Be I mean, you're not pulling Nate Thompson or Trevor Lewis or Matthew Pro, I assume, up. Those are other maybe, Basset hounds. Maybe Perot. Yeah. Maybe. He, he can at least skate with Shifley. I'm thinking Mason Appleton. Mason Appleton yeah, would yeah. for sure. I mean, he's yeah. he's got the, the – he's the Energizer bunny out I there guess. for sure. But he's not – like, he's not – don't get me wrong. He's had, he's had a really great season and everything, but his pedigree with pedigree, since we're on the uh, the, the the animal yeah. uh, tangent here, um, would not suggest that he's going to be that kind of player. Although I mean, you never know. I guess I, I think that maybe maybe Kevin Shevoldev should think about adding there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, and then there's also the idea of getting a puck moving, offensive minded defenseman like a Matthias Ekholm who could drive your offense and could help you score that third goal on some of those nights, yeah. right? Ekholm is a very offensive-minded player. He also plays defense really well, too. Um, and, you know, you look at the Jets' blue line, Steve, um, I think they have five combined goals. And Neil Pionk, I think, has three of them. I think Morrissey has one and Forbert has one. Like, they, they don't score a whole lot. We're used to, I mean, back in the days, Dustin Bufflin would score... 15 yeah, and Truba and, and Truba would Myers. score Tyler yeah. Myers would yeah. score Even like Ben Sherratt scored yeah. right they yeah. don't have that anymore that so they're getting almost no they're getting assists Pionk's way up there they're getting helpers but you know they don't really have the threat on the point which maybe would take a little bit of pressure off maybe. your forwards yeah um so it's an interesting and your numbers got but me still, thinking okay, about but that still but let's be serious here can the can the Jets win with Two Basset hounds playing with a greyhound with Mark Shifley. Like, not if it's your top line. No. Not if you're – and we, we joke and say it's not because it isn't the top line. However, Paul Maurice uses that line at times like it's the top line. To wit, putting them out against – now, well, they're, they're on the road. first on the power They play. didn't – right. Uh, and he didn't have a choice in Edmonton. I suspect if those games were in Winnipeg, he probably gets Shifley's line away from the McDavid line. I guess, although I'd still rather have, frankly, folks, I'd still rather have the Shifley line out there against uh, checking as opposed to the Dubois, Ehlers, and Connor because Ehlers and Connor are for sure. Let's but I think here. if they're, they're terrible, if you're in Winnipeg, that's where you're putting the Lowry Cop Appleton yep. line. That, yep. That's what you'd use them yep. for. Uh, Dave Tippett, to his credit probably didn't want anything to do with that matchup. Right. He saw the Basset Hounds on the wing, and he's got his Greyhound, who's running quite the race this year. So he exploited that, and Edmonton you know, got four points Total of tangent, it. Total tangent, Dave Tippett is a really, really good NHL coach. He is. He's a really, really good He kind of got a raw deal in, in Arizona, I yeah. think. Um, and there's a terrible team They there. were a good team for a while there. He they were. Right, he was getting a, a lot out of them, totally. for sure. He's a really good coach. And, and the Oilers... Just as a, an aside here, I was impressed by their play, uh, uh, not just by Connor McDavid. I was impressed by their play in general as a team. He's got them to play defense. Yeah, for sure. And he's got Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl playing defense. He does. And um, he's he's done a really nice job. When I made my preseason predictions, I liked the Oilers more because of Dave Tippett than anything else. Right. Frankly, yeah. Well, 
and I mean, it's an extension. Like they're getting good goaltending. I just saw a stat today, Steve. Guess the number one goalie in the North Division in save percentage, minimum ten starts. That's Edmonton's Mike Smith. Oh, who would have predicted that? Uh, but yeah, so the Jets one and two on this trip. They got four games left of Vancouver tonight. And then Calgary, Calgary, and more Calgary on the weekend, and we'll see what they can do with that. All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jet Setra podcast. Mike, we talked a little bit in the first period about we touched on the trade deadline. Something I, I, I Elliot Friedman uh, on Sportsnet was suggesting that the Nashville Predators uh, might not be interested in trading Matthias Ekholm, and in fact, might be more interested in trading. Um, defenseman Ryan Ellis, hmm. and then I re- so I read something else this morning, also in on, in Sportsnet. I can't remember the guy's name. He was uh, suggesting five blockbuster trades. One of them was the Jets trading with the Predators for Ryan Ellis, and the trade basically was Cole Perfetti for Ryan Ellis. The suggestion being that now that the Jets have Pierre Luc Dubois and they got Mark Shifley, I mean, where the heck is Cole Perfetti fit in? And would you trade? Would you trade Cole Perfetti and maybe a draft pick for uh, Ryan Ellis? Yeah. Ryan Ellis, by the way, I'm just looking. He's hurt, uh, and he's minor he, injury. Right. So he's got. He's 30 years old. Six more years on a on a contract. That it's a Josh Morrissey deal. Six. It's a, it's a perfect Jets number. Six point two five million. 25. Dollars. They like paying everybody six point two five million. They also year. like guys on long term contracts because yeah, they're not years. going anywhere. This guy's a great player. Great beard, by the way. He does have one a, of the best beards. Ekholm's got a good beard too. They the beards are. He's but right. I like Ryan Ellis way better than Matthias Ekholm. Yeah, well, he's way better for sure. Way better. Um, okay, so you bring in Ryan Ellis. Are you also are you keeping Morrissey, Demello, and Pionk? Like in this expansion thing or whatever. Well, you I could care have less to what happens to Dylan Demello. He's terrible. So you know, I, he's terrible. I got like I I, I I didn't like I didn't understand the hype about right. him to begin with. Coaches was, porn. Uh, yeah, fancy stats or something like this. The yeah. guy hasn't scored in nine years or something. Like, speaking of not scoring or whatever, he made a terrible pinch uh, against Edmonton the other day that led to the dry saddle McDavid two on one. If That's he's not so good, why are these other teams letting him go? That's not always in the indication for me. If you get a guy cheaply from another team, right. like they got Nathan Bill U cheaply or whatever, right. but there's a reason for that, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so other here's, GMs are not stupid. Right? Here's an interesting thought. If you're the Jets, so let's just say you bring in Ryan Ellis or Ekholm. Would you give up Cole Perfetti is the big question for Ryan Ellis, would you? Yeah, Ellis for Perfetti. I mean, look, Cole Perfetti... We don't know where he's going to necessarily fit in the short term, but Ryan Ellis could step in right now and, you know, and with his contract and, and all the intangibles that he would bring. He would make the Jets a bona fide contender this season and going forward for sure. And it's a hockey deal, right? It's not a, it's not a short-term rental. I'm sure you'd have to navigate, I guess, the, the expansion draft, Steve, because you can only protect three defensemen. So I know, you know, you mentioned Dylan Ellis, DeMello. Morrissey and Pionk. Yeah. Yeah. And you leave DeMello exposed. If Seattle wants to take him, he's got two years left at $3 million. Well, going forward, then you have, like, you've got Ryan Ellis. You've got Josh Morrissey. You've got Neil Pionk. You have Vili Henela. You've you got, got Dylan, Dylan Sandberg, Sandberg. And then anything after that. So sure. you've, you've basically rebuilt the blue line that has been, you know, kind of like was decimated a couple of years ago with right. the loss of Bufflin and Truba and Myers and Sherratt. And so 
Um, I think I think that deal, if they could get that deal done, and I'm not sure what it would take with Nashville, it might take more than just Cole Perfetti. That's a deal that do they want I Sammy Niku? Really re- What's that? Do they want Sammy Niku? Want Sammy Niku? Yeah, that's a deal that you know you could re- maybe they'll take Dylan Demello. Actually, I joke about wanting Sammy Niku, but I believe Pierre LeBrun a couple weeks ago, Steve wrote a piece where he talked about the Jets and Ekholm. And he said, he, he was quoting some information out of Nashville, that Nashville has been watching Sammy Nico, that they now Watching him where? Well, that, that they had, they've had an eye on him and that they've, at, they've, been, they've tasked their people with doing some additional research or whatever. And LeBron had said, would a first and Niku be enough to get Ekholm, to which I'd say the Jets would do that in a heartbeat. Wow, probably, yeah. A first is a crapshoot this year anyways. You're not seeing any of these prospects right. play. And if the Jets finish where they hope to finish, like you're talking about a pick in the high 20s, and Sammy Niku, a guy that, you know, let's face it, he's not in your plans. Maybe Nashville feels they can turn him into something. You know, if Kevin Chevaldeoff could add Pierre-Luc Dubois and Ryan Ellis to this team this year, um, I that's that's those are significant, significant additions to a franchise. Um, so whatever they get 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 that done deal done, I would I would strongly suggest it. <laughs> All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Center podcast, switching gears a little bit from hockey, Mike. We'll move a little bit to the CFL and football. Uh, it was reported late last night that the Canadian Football League has asked its players, the Canadian Football League Players Association, and the, and the players to take a 20% cut in salaries in an effort to ensure that starting on a season on time with no fans would happen. Uh, Mike, the over the off season, the players were already asked to take pay cuts. They were uh, many of them were asked to renegotiate deals that they already had in place. Many of them, um, you know, sacrificed signing bonuses to because they really, you know, felt like they didn't have much choice. And now the league is coming to the players again, Mike, and going to ask the players again to play for less this season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure even what to say about it. Right. You know, seriously, well, you've like seen some just, reaction from some players I on have, social like media. Brandon Banks on Twitter today basically retired. <laughs> um, you know, basically like yeah. You know, so you're asking these guys to go out and risk life and limb on a football field, and let's 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 not. I'm not being hyperbolic. This is. Football's a tough game in sure. the trenches, and so you're no asking, guaranteed contracts. Not none of it, and then so you're asking. Uh, certainly not guaranteed. They can't, you know, they already, they already signed contracts. Right and now, you're asking them to take even less right. money. Meantime, Mike, there's commissioners, there's general managers, there's head coaches, and there's presidents of the league that are making significant sums of money. Oh, sure, they took twenty percent pay cuts, but. Twenty percent pay cut on a seven hundred thousand dollar a year contract right. is still a lot of money. Are they proposing that they too would take another twenty percent cut? I didn't hear I, that. I didn't hear that either. Would that make it better? Um, I guess. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, Steve. Like, is this a case where the the teams, the the owners, know that they kind of have the players over a barrel? And to use Brandon Banks for an example, what is his alternative 
other than to retire well, to get a job right yeah, to go, yeah, but yeah, but yeah. it's not like these guys have another league that they can just no. say i'm going to go play no, they here can't even go to the xfl now no whereas <laughs> let's just use a, a hockey example if this were to happen let's say the ahl were to kind of do this to its players well a lot of these guys could say you know what i'm going to go play in europe and right. make some good coin over right. there these cfl players do not have that option their option really is to accept what's being asked of them which is more like demanded of them or yeah hang up the cleats and go get a real job which for some of these guys i guess they probably will do that other guys though if they're still hanging on to the dream that you know somehow they're going to get to the nfl and this is uh, what choice do you have really right they don't have a lot of bargaining power no the cfl players have never had a a lot of bargaining. i guess they could just say no and then there would be there would be no season um, that would require an immense amount of solidarity from the players, a solidarity that I've not typically seen. Right, over and some the guys years. are going to say 80% of whatever my salary still is better than 0%, right. which they'd get if they'll they get, don't play. Right, and at least they'll get to play. So it's, it's just, but, you know, in my mind, it's just shameful, really, that they're asking them to do this. I mean, it just seems like, it's not even like, it's not like they're asking guys that are making a million dollars a year to take 20% right. pay cuts, which then would save you a significant amount of money. These guys aren't making any money as it is. And so if you're already losing $60 million as a league, that's, I'm just throwing that out yeah. there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, does it really matter if you lose $62 million? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, like, give these guys, you know, some dough to play, right? So is there – I always like to look for the silver lining, Steve. Should we – Should we – see at least a little bit of a silver lining here that the CFL is, and again, we won't necessarily agree that this is the way they should be doing it, but that they are trying to find a way that they're recognizing that fans, very unlikely, impossible really to start the year, whether they come back in some form during the season, but that they that they are still looking to play in a full season in empty stadiums because that wasn't even on well, the table last year, I was it? It's a, so it's a silver lining that the guy who's making a million dollars a year as the commissioner of the league is doing his job. That's a silver lining. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, no, um, they should be doing, there's, there's people in this league that are making a significant amount of money that should be doing everything they can to ensure that there's a season this year. And to say that they're actually doing it, Mike, right. no, I'm not sure that that's a silver lining. I guess if you're a, a, a hardcore CFL football fan and, and you are really hoping to see some CFL football this year, it's a silver lining right. that you may see. I'm wondering, oh, yeah, I'm just wondering what that's going to look like. What How changed? Because I thought, weren't we told by Ambrosi and by a lot of these owners last year, Steve, that if there's no fans, there's no, like they can't play without fans. So now, now they're sort of saying, well, maybe we can play without fans. As long as the players well, absorb I guess, some I guess, of the right, I guess they have some sort of. Well, they were going to play. They were going to play in a bubble, hub, right? They were yeah, play in a bubble. So I guess hypothetically, you know, they've talked to TSN and uh, their sponsors, and they have a certain amount of money that will carry them a right. certain period of time in the anticipation that they will then get started with get some fans in the stands in July or August, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're. They're projecting this out, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Be we don't know because they're not telling, they're not telling us. us. Okay. Now, this report 
uh, from TSN about the, the, the proposal does say, Steve, that salaries would be topped up over the course of the season as fans possibly return. So is this them saying, give us the 20% kind of up front and we'll maybe give it maybe, back yeah, to we'll you. Maybe give it back to you. If, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take their word for that, aren't you, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, sure. I, I trust you guys. You're the guys that have been collecting all that. Do they have their money? fingers crossed behind yeah. their backs, yeah, as they exactly. say it? Um, yeah, I mean, again, like you say, and that's been kind of par for the course for this league, right? That Randy Ambrosi and others haven't done a very good job at all of kind of getting out in front of any of this. I mean, you even look at the XFL and all that well, talk. Even this, this was released on Twitter, right, by David Naylor of like, TSN, like practically in the middle of the night, right. Like, and so, like a exactly. News dump. And so, now where did he get that information from? Uh, from the league. Right. So basically, he's putting out a press release. Yeah. Let's he, be honest here, folks. He's the canary folks. in the coal mine. He's putting a press release out for the Canadian Football League. Okay. Let's yeah. let's not. Like, it's not like he got some sort of scoop here. Sure. Okay? Like, that's not that's how that's it works. Not what happens right. here. Okay? Like, let's be it's very clear that this is a release from the league sure. through David Naylor of TSN. And so, like, that's just, like, what is that? Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, where's the commissioner going, hey, you know, here's the situation, and we're going to need to ask the players. Did they even... Like, did they just spring it on the players? Like, did they even, well, you know, like... They to hear some of their they reaction. sprung it to them on Twitter? Yeah, it sounds like, like they on. weren't really given a lot of heads up. Um, that's not a way to operate any business, let alone a, a, a cornerstone like the, you know, the Canadian football. You know, give Rosie just a little bit of credit. I kind of like the whole idea of them talking to the XFL, and maybe that might bring in right. some money, some capital, and stuff like this. But this... This bullshit like this, Mike, continues to just be, pardon my French there, folks, but that it was required in this instance, yeah. um, is, is ridiculous. It's just like you're, you're treating these people like cattle. Right. And like you property. Are. like Absolutely. And, uh, it's ridiculous. I'm sure that is the mindset that some owners have, for sure. All right, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Setra podcast. Mike, um, we had anticipated maybe that Manitoba was going to go from code red to code orange this week, which might have opened up a number of things or whatever, including us having the opportunity maybe go or you to go on a, a, a road trip with the Winnipeg Jets. We are still not going to do that, folks. Um, we're remaining in code red. Um, most of you kind of know why. There's still... Um, I think it's mostly because of the concern over the variants, variants right? Yep. You know what I mean? And, and not enough people are vaccinated just yet. Yeah. We're so, getting there, but. Uh, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm all for this. Frankly, I've been, it's easy for me to say I'm sitting in my office here, you know, uh, collecting my paycheck, et cetera, et cetera, <coughs> like Michael <coughs> Shea. And um, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent of your pitch. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, um, you know, we've, we've come so far, right? Do you know what I mean? It would be terrible to, you know, kind of uh, drop the ball. It does feel like um, we can see the finish yeah, line in the distance. Yeah, so let's, can we and, just kind of like, just, let's just hang in there for another little bit, right? right? you know what I mean? And there's certainly reason for optimism. They're, they're now, they're down to age 65 and up. My Both my, par both my parents just When made, are they going to get to 60? I'm 60. Well, soon, like. Possibly in the next week or so, the wow. way they're drop, they've been dropping like two years almost every day. Have they? Yeah, like it went from low 80s to mid 60s in a couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, I'm 46, and I'm thinking it's only going to be a few more weeks till I can make my uh, appointment. 
So yeah, my mom and dad made theirs the other day because they're now into their age range. Uh, my wife, who works at a retirement residence, frontline worker with all the tenants, they all got vaccinated, and, and she's been vaccinated. Those people were getting vaccinated. I'm surprised that you would, would not be. No, no? I, oh. I mean maybe to, maybe like I don't know if it's if you're a nurse or something, but she's not. She, she's not in the same category, quite the same category as. Uh, but so she just had. Both her, she got her second shot last weekend after oh. getting her first a few weeks ago. So my wife's fully vaccinated. My parents will get their first shots. I think their appointment is like April eighth or something. They just made it last weekend. I was reading a Paul Simmons COVID briefing. Paul Simmons, our boss. Yeah. Um, his his dad got his shot or whatever, and he got a cookie. Oh. So I asked my him wife did not get a cookie. He didn't know what kind of cookie though. Oh. <laughs> I'm looking like for an it. imperial. Love- what kind would you want? Uh, yeah, oh, a Greek cookie. A Greek cookie. Yeah, Greek. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. if you could make a specialty order. That <laughs> I, I want this. I have some Greek cookies on the weekend from the Greek market. Well, Oops. you can get. There's three Yum. different types of vaccines, so you should be able I to think order you get a choice. Right? At least three different kinds of cookies. Do you right? get a choice in the vaccine? You do not. Um, do you get a choice where you get it? Yes, you do. My wife got it at this at the convention no, like center. like in your arm or in your. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think they just jab it in your arm, I believe. Deltoid, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's where everybody's been getting it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating for sure for some, but the, we're, we're getting there. Uh, although it, it is frustrating. I just was coming in here today and I saw in Arizona, Steve, they're vaccinating teenagers in Arizona. Wow. Like that's how fast they're moving in some states. And we're still in our mid-60s here in Canada, in, in Manitoba. Other provinces are at different stages as well. But The yeah. hair won the race. Who did? The hair. Yes, the hair did win the race, indeed. The hair won the, the race. The tortoise, Mike. yes. I always think, no, oh, no, sorry, the tortoise The tortoise the beats the hair, yes. Can we edit that, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> totally screwed up there. <laughs> um, the but, you know, the race, yes. there are some, like, now you can expand to 25 outside in public. Um, tw- uh, gathering. Who meets twenty five outside? I don't. I don't <laughs> have twenty five people I want to hang out with outside. <laughs> I, I, I sort of kid. Uh, we have a big family, so we could have <laughs> like a big family outdoor gathering. I, I, I was oh, at Kildonan Park the other day. I saw lots of violations of the ten <laughs> that it's at right now. But I mean, it's Easter weekend coming up. Um, we're still not going to do any kind of family thing because it's we're still not there yet, right? But how many can you have in your home now? What's the deal? Oh, that? it's just still the. I got nobody, so it's not a big. Deal. Yeah, it's still just the designated. Well, you can now have a household. So, like my parents, for example, we can go to their house. They can come to our house because there are there are designated household. Oh, so speaking. Okay, so people outdoors. Um, you could have 25 people golfing. You went golfing yesterday. I did. There were not 25 people How on the many course. How people were on the course? We saw, so I went with my 19-year-old son. Uh, we saw a grand total, I'm going to say three other, maybe four other twosomes. I think, I think I saw eight total people during the afternoon. Wow. So I was sitting here yesterday afternoon, folks, uh, writing my playbook, and I poked fun at Mike for his golfing, by the way. I had a little fun at your Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but I thought it was okay. It was. So I'm sitting here looking out the window, and it's starting to snow, right? They were some big flakes. Yeah. So the two biggest flakes were me and my son yeah, on the golf course. Yeah, yeah. So how did that go? So we we did kind of beat the majority of the snow. We teed off at 120. We it's just at Shooters, which is not. It's a par 57. It's it's uh, if you've never played Shooters, 15 par threes and three par fours. Fun little course. I I actually really enjoy the short game. Is my favorite part of golf. 
Um, so it's a fun course to actually kind of work on your short game. Like you're kind of hitting nine irons and eight irons off the tees and you're lots of pitching wedges. And um, so it went well, for sure, uh, for the first game. The first shot did not go well. I'm going to write about it in my notebook for tomorrow. But I, uh, I sliced my drive, Steve, into a partially frozen pond. It actually bounced off the ice and remained in play. There's a big plane going wow. by. That's a big one. That's a huge military plane that it, just flew it by. It is the like window, the folks. the it's off quite low your, too, eh? it is quite low. <laughs> like your office is vibrating. Uh, it's buzzing. I have an, my office has a direct view of the planes taking off from the airport and landing or whatever. It's great. I love watching it, and um, it's been interesting to see the amount of planes taking off as COVID has gone along. It's been more and more. Yeah, yeah. I would like to know where this one's headed, but you're right. It's flying pretty low. Um, but yeah, the first shot, uh, partially frozen pond bounce off the ice, stayed in play. I made a bogey on that hole. Shot 72 on a par 57. You so made a bogey? I made a bogey. After it went into the ice? No, it bounced off the ice and remained in play. Oh, like it, it, okay. it, landed, it stayed on land. Carefully. Wow. Uh, and there's a shot that in a week from now or two weeks, yeah, it would have be, been wet. because three off the team, man. Right. Thankfully, the, there was still some ice on the pond to, to keep it in play, but... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it's a short course, but we walked it and we played it. My son and I played in two hours and 15 minutes, nice. uh, which is a nice tidy round, which is also good because by the time we finished, Steve, uh, our hands were completely frozen. Um, my son being a teenager decided that he, he wasn't going to bring mitts. Well, after about three holes, he's like, Hey dad, any chance I could borrow your mitts? which I was wearing between shots. So I gave them to him. I never saw them again. So like I, I could barely feel my hands by the back nine. I was still hitting the ball okay, uh, but we were really cold. And then the snow really started shortly after we finished the round. And like three hours later, the ground was completely covered in yeah, white. Wow. Yeah, so you, got, you got, the, got that round. And, we um, did. A, it's a, funny you mentioned the two hours and 15 minutes. A lot of people that I know complain about the length of a golf game. I, I used to play a lot of golf, and the one thing I never complained about was the length of time I was on a golf course. Frankly, when I was on a golf course, I had no interest in leaving. <laughs> you could play. Let's play another round. You right. Know what I mean, like, yeah, like even if I didn't, I was not ever crazy about slow play, but you know, like getting stuck behind people who are just dawdling or whatever. Right. But I didn't mind waiting. I mean, I'd just sit there on the bench and look around or whatever, take my time or whatever. Um, I was, I probably wasn't the quickest player, um, but. Um, yeah, where, where, where do you want to go? Like, where do you want to get to? Yeah, I mean, it was a case where uh, we wanted to do it just to say that we golfed in March in Winnipeg, which uh, we may not, who knows the next year we'd be able to say that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was a fun afternoon with the boy, and I'll write a little bit more about it in the newsletter tomorrow. Shout out to Guido, the owner at Shooters. Who right was, on, Guido. He's a big Jets fan, by the way, and uh, to our point earlier, he also thinks the Jets should make a big trade uh, uh, to boost their playoff chances. So They said the defense? They want the defense? Man? Yeah, he likes at home, but we didn't talk about Ryan Ellis. I, I bet he would Ryan like Ellis. Ellis. Thing is, is kind of news interesting. So it I, is. I'm, I'm not super cool, super keen on Matthias Ekholm. Eh, you know, it's like, eh, he's going to be, is he going to be, how much better is he going to be than right. eh, what they have? But Ryan Ellis. Well, when we're back here a week from now, the Jets will be home. And a week from today, Steve, they'll be preparing to host the Toronto Maple Leafs next Wednesday night after this marathon road trip. And we'll only be like 10 days from the trade deadline. Maybe Kevin Sheveldayoff will have swung a big deal by the time we're back. All right, folks, have a great week. If you're out there golfing, keep it on the short stuff.